This is No Love Live with Pastor Tim Warholic. Tim is the senior pastor of Paradise Calvary Chapel in Las Vegas, Nevada. to see you all and um, go ahead and I hope that you brought a Bible or you have a Bible. Go ahead and turn with me in your Bible to Matthew chapter 14. We're going to be finishing up a couple verses in Matthew chapter 14 and then we're going to be getting into chapter 15. couple of announcements. First and foremost, happy Mother's Day to you mothers. We so appreciate you, and if it wasn't for you, we wouldn't be here. So thank you. Um, Some of the most selfless, amazing people that I've met in my entire life are mothers that that have cared for either me or for their own kids. So do something special for your mom today. Wash the dishes. Uh, Give her a back massage, bless her, because she definitely deserves it. We love you. Thank you. Happy Mother's Day, all the mothers out there. And then I wanted to let you guys know that there's been getting a lot of questions lately about um, church events and things that we had planned. We plan, you know, a year in advance for things that you have to have reservations for and that you have to plan for and that people have to get vacation time for. So just to let you know, I know that there's a lot of people and, and, and even many churches that are canceling a lot of their stuff that's throughout the summer and the rest of the year. Um, I just want to let you guys know that we're not canceling anything until it's time to say we're not making any preemptive cancellations. If things start to go, you know, uh, if things start to change and, and it's necessary, we will. But one of the things I wanted to highlight this morning is our annual church camping trip is in the middle of July, and it is not canceled. When we get closer and we reevaluate things, we'll see. But for, as of right now, it is not canceled. And um, the only things that we have that we have canceled are those things which are which were sooner in the year. But anything that's June, July, August, September, October, November, December is is still officially on. So look forward to that. Please, if you have not already signed up for the camping trip, we can sign up or you can if you need more information, you can email info at paradisecalvary.com. Let us know that that you're going to be joining us also. Um, we, we, we do kind of have limited space, but just keep that in mind, and you might need to get some time off work for that as well. It, what we do is typically it's a Friday through Monday, so we go up and camp out together Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then we come back on Monday. We have a church service up in the mountains on that Sunday, and we have somebody else here doing the church service, but that's what we're going to do, so plan on Take Monday off, plan on hanging out with us Monday morning and then driving back home, okay? So this morning we continue our Forsaken Kingdom series in the Gospel of Matthew. We're in Matthew chapter 14, as I said, and the title of today's message is Watch Your Mouth. 
Have you ever heard anybody say that to you before? Watch your mouth or bite your tongue. It's an indicator that you've said something that you probably shouldn't have said and, and somebody's warning you, hey, be careful what you say. We understand what that looks like because I think if, if you are like anybody else that you say things sometimes that you shouldn't say. You, you, something slips out and, and you regret it immediately and, and sometimes you even say, I'm sorry that I said that or you think to yourself, why did I even say that? I had a friend once that oftentimes had a slip of the tongue, all the, you know, all these examples. And he said to me one time, I wish that words had handles on them so that I could grab them and pull them back after I said them. But the issue that we're going to address today in, in what Jesus wants to educate us and remind us of is that it's not really so much a matter of what you say as much as it's a matter of where does it come from? Because what you say is directly connected with how you really feel or what you really believe. When you're talking, when you're communicating with somebody, eventually you're going to start to express things about how you really feel. And in the times that we're living in right now, I'm experiencing people saying things that I'm, that, that I'm kind of surprised. And I, and I think to myself, and even sometimes, you know, I've had a few conversations, people are feeling the pressure of what's happening, and they feel like they have liberty to, to say things that are an indicator of where their hearts are at. And we really have to be careful because it is actually an issue of the condition of our hearts. And Jesus is going to address that this morning. If you haven't turned there already, the end of chapter 14 into 15, go ahead and flip there really quick. And let's, uh, before we jump into the text, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, your word says that we are going to be held accountable for every word that we speak. And we don't want to come to that understanding or realization with an attitude of, of fear, but, but we want to be responsible, and not just so that we will guard our tongue or that we would say the right things or we would save face when necessary, but that we would recognize that it's an indicator of the true state of our heart, and that is what we would be willing to and want to address. Our hearts before you, because you see them anyway. We can't hide that from you. So God, we pray that you would speak to us today in your word, that we would be able to apply your word to our lives and exercise the instruction that we receive Pray that you bless your church, Father, and that we would be able to see more people soon. We love you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Chapter 14, verse 34, When they crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret. And when the men of that place recognized him, they sent out into that surrounding region, brought to him all who were sick, and begged him that they might, on, they might only touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched him were made perfectly well. Now remember with me, if you were listening or following with us last week, that, that Jesus is the king of compassion. We 
contrasted two characters. We saw Jesus as the king of compassion, and right before that we saw Herod as the king of compulsion. Herod didn't do things out of compassion for others. Herod did things as a ruler in that time uh, to benefit himself. He reacted to what people thought or what they were communicating to him to be able to retain his place as a ruler. And none of it was done actually for the people or out of compassion for the people. But then we see this example of Jesus who's constantly doing things for people because he's the king of compassion. And it's things that he didn't necessarily have to do. The feeding of the 5,000, the disciples said, send them away to go get their own food. Jesus said, no, you feed them. And it wasn't just the 5,000, that was 5,000 men. It could have been 10 or 15,000 people. And Jesus says, I don't have to give them a meal, but I care about them and I want to give them a meal. And there are certain things that you don't have to do, but God's given you the opportunity to minister and bless people because we are to reflect our king who is the king of compassion. So here he is, he's traveling, he's healing people, he's feeding people. And remember with me, another gospel in the gospel of Mark highlights this a little bit clearer, but, but this is a time where Jesus and the disciples are exhausted. Remember last week, Jesus was looking forward to spending some time alone. Spending some time on the mountain, getting away, the crowds were constantly pressing upon him. And then the night before, in the middle of the night, after Jesus spent some time in prayer with, the, with his father, the disciples are rowing across the Sea of Galilee. He says, go to the other side. And they're rowing, and this storm comes, and they're rowing against the storm. They're not making any headway. And in the middle of the night, Jesus walks out, and they think he's a ghost. And he responds to them and says, hey, don't be afraid. And Peter says, if you're really Jesus, you know, if you're Jesus, call me out to you to walk on the water. And, and Peter walks out on the water with Jesus. But the point is that when they get to the other side the next morning, they would literally be exhausted. How many of you have ever rowed across a lake during a storm in the middle of the night, not making any headway? throughout the, the most of the night. Any of you ever done that before? I have. Just kidding, I haven't. I've never done that either. I've rowed across the lake, and I've gotten very tired. It is hard work to row a boat, and then when you're rowing into a headwind that's pushing you back, it could be kind of frustrating. Would anybody disagree that that could be kind of frustrating? But here they are being pushed back, not making much progress. There's, there's this guy walking on the water, coming out to them. They're scared. The next day, they, res- they get to the other side. They're exhausted. They've been serving thousands of people, possibly tens of thousands of people, nonstop. Jesus is looking to get alone. The disciples are looking to get alone. They're looking for a break. And the first thing that happens, what did it say? It said that they recognized Jesus. And they went and they got all of the people that were sick and they came and gathered around Jesus that they might even just touch the hem of his robe so that they could be healed. And what did Jesus do? Did Jesus turn them away? Did Jesus say, no, 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 no way, Jose? He didn't say that. He he received them. He ministered to them. He touched them. And can I tell you today, can I tell you this morning that Jesus wants to touch you? He wants to heal you. He wants to make, I love that word there, he wants to make you perfectly well. 
we will have struggles. We will have hurdles that come up in our lives to overcome. But God wants you to know that he sent his only son to die for your sins so that you can be reconciled to him and have a relationship with him and receive wholeness. Chapter 15, verse 1. Then the scribes and the Pharisees who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus saying, Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. He answered and said to them, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? Notice with me here that the language is very specific. They're asking why Jesus allows his disciples to transgress the the traditions of the elders and and i guess maybe because i was raised in a traditional religious family that i have a real issue with traditions of men and and i've seen firsthand and i see now i know a lot of my friends who are in ministry and pastors there's kind of a push to go back to kind of this traditional format of a liturgy and, and we should do things a certain way each service, and we say certain things, and we do certain things. Now, I'm not saying that that's good, right, or, or I'm indifferent. I'm saying that we need to be careful that we're not exercising and doing things for the sake of exercising them and doing them. It needs to be connected to a personal response to who God is. And, and it's, it's really directly connected to the heart of why we're doing things. Not because we have to, because that's what people default to so often. Well, I did this, this, and that. Well, but what was the condition of your heart? And Jesus' response to them is a direct contrast. You notice that? He challenges their question with another question, which I love how Jesus does this. And he says, why do you also trespass the commandment of God because of your tradition? The tradition of people is never, never, never to be elevated above the commands of God. And I've seen people with their traditionalistic opinions of how church should be done. I've seen people elevate traditions above the greatest commandment. What would you guys say the greatest commandment is? To love one another. And they're not operating or functioning in love anymore. It's, it's a duty, and this is what we do because we have to, and they forsake love. I know a very prominent, well-known, evangelical pastor in the United States that came out and said publicly the greatest travesty that, that uh, Calvary Chapel, the impact that Calvary Chapel has had on the United States is that people stopped wearing suits to church. I mean, can you believe a statement like the greatest tragedy a Jesus people movement can have on the church is that people don't wear suits anymore? If that's the mentality, then we're falling short. And and, and maybe we can directly connect this to a, a real issue or concern with the heart, with your heart, an opinion on something like that. Because a tradition of man has been so exalted that we don't love the effect that it's had on people's lives. People's lives got changed during those times. We don't love the effect that God is having on people's lives. We're criticizing the, 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 the way that they dress, the way that they comb their hair, and the way that they present themselves in a church gathering. What a shame. 
And some of you may know who I'm talking about. It's not necessary for me to mention any names because the point is, what's the condition of my heart? I could judge other people's hearts all day long. It's easy, isn't it? Yeah, what? And and I, I said this in the first service, this message is so timely because I don't think at any point in my life I have ever heard people that are so opinionated on what other people do. I don't think I've ever, and people are so willing to express, you should be doing this, you should be doing that, and the camps are so divided, and they're polarized, and there's been a forsaking of compassion towards people and saying, yes, I should or shouldn't be doing this or that, but it's not for for my own sake personally, it's for the sake of somebody else. Hey guys, like I mentioned last Wednesday, don't let your hearts harden like in the wilderness. This is a prophetic word for us. If you can receive it today, this is a prophetic word. You are being tested. You are being proven what you actually believe, and we're going to get into it a little bit more in a minute here, but what, what you actually really believe is going to eventually come out and be evidenced, exe- exemplified in your life. It's going to happen. Why do you forsake the command of God Because of your tradition. For God commanded, saying, Honor your father and your mother, and he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, Whoever says to his father or mother, Whatever profit you might have received from me is a gift to God, then he need not honor his father or mother. Thus you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. Hypocrites! Well did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, and in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. See how Jesus kind of turns this around on them? It's not so much the issue of the clean hands as much as they are unclean based on how they're living their lives. Their faith is not being manifest and they're transgressing the command of God. Could you imagine condemning somebody for not washing their hands? By the way, is not a command of God. It was their tradition, we have to point out, Condemning somebody for not washing their hands before they have a meal, but justifying a command that God says to to love and take care of your parents, honor your parents, they've completely justi- justified themselves not to be able to not to have to do that, but they're going to pick other people apart for not doing something as simple as washing your hands. You can see the heart has moved so far away from what God's intention was. And, and, and when we look at uh, the gospel, relationships are such a huge part of the gospel. Your relationship with your mother and your father, it should be precious. It should be special. It's Mother's Day. We should honor our mothers and love them, and God commands it. Oh, but if you do this or that or this or that, you could be unclean. 
this could be a problem in your life. Jesus is like, you guys got the cart before the horse. First of all, this isn't even something that God has commanded you to do. This is something that you command each other and you teach as doctrine. But it's your own command of men. And he says, you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me and in vain they worship me teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. This is something that unfortunately, unfortunately, is, is kind of easy to do. To talk the talk, another, you know, another little euphemism, to talk the talk, but not to walk the walk. You honor me with your mouth, but your heart isn't there. You say the right things, you're able to save face again, so to speak. But that's not where your heart is. You know, Jesus responded to people based on what they were thinking about him. You remember there's some, you know, some uh, passages that, that Jesus, they're thinking in their heads and then he, he answers their question or their judgment of him. And I used to think as a, as a young believer that there were certain things that I didn't have to talk to God about that I can kind of keep to myself. Guys, he sees it all. And as time went by, as I matured in the Lord and realized and understood his sovereignty and, and his, his, his laser accurate vision in my heart, in vain I would, I would withhold talking to God about something. He saw it anyway. Just be honest, God, this is what's happening. This is where I'm at. This is what's going on. I want to honor you first in my heart. And when I do honor you first in my heart, then my mouth, the things that I say, will be honoring to you. Verse 10, when he had called the multitude to himself, he said to them, hear and understand, not what goes into the mouth defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a man. This is what I mean by this is one of the most timely messages for our time right now for the, the the times that we find ourselves in because we do so easily have slips of the tongue so to speak when we get frustrated and we feel like we're in this pressure cooker we we might be saying there are certain people that i know that that they've been saying things or they said things that that they wouldn't normally say and i'm like wow oh, man you know i've even had a few conversations be careful you know because what you put out on the internet is there for the rest of your life, for the rest of, you know, future history. I don't know if you guys saw on the news this past week, but, but there was an NHL player that said some really terrible things about some of his teammates and his teammates' wives, and somebody in the group took pictures of everything that he said, and they published it on the Internet. So now this private conversation with, a, with a, few, a handful of hockey players is now international news. And guess what? He'll probably never play hockey again. He's already been removed from his team. He'll probably never. But you know what? It's not a condition so much of what he said as much as people can identify with where his heart's really at. He talked about some of the people that he was supposed to be closest to. 
we are going to be held accountable for the things that we say. But again, it's not so that we can masquerade and say things that we know people want to hear or receive. The question first is, what's the condition of our heart? And how do we, how do we communicate that? He said, Jesus says, it, it, it's not what goes into a man that defiles him. I, I just think it's ironic that we're talking about hand washing <laughs> in the Bible when it's been such a upfront topic for the last two months. Wash your hands for 20 seconds. When I would get home from school, my first thing that I would have to do is I'd have to go to the kitchen sink before anything else. Go to the kitchen sink and wash my hands and sing the happy birthday song two times in a row. My mom would make me sing the happy birthday song two times in a row so that it would be long enough. My, I would be washing my hands for long enough to kill all the germs. I'm quite familiar with hand washing. Jesus says, but but this isn't an issue of health. And don't get me wrong, it is good to wash your hands. You should be washing your hands and staying away from me, please. It's not an issue of hand washing. This is an issue of, of defilement. What kind of person you are. And I thank God that he sent his son, his only son, Jesus Christ, that in my defiled state, Jesus died on the cross for my sins so that I could be purified. That's the gospel, so that I could be redeemed and so that I can recognize my fallen state, my sinful state, and, and through confession and repentance be restored to right relationship with him again. Then his disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? Could you imagine going to Jesus and say, Hey, remember when you said that thing? There's a bunch of people that were offended. <laughs> <laughs> I think I offend people all the time. I, I even preface some things that I say with, I don't want to offend anybody, but because <laughs> I know that it's going to offend somebody. The disciple said, hey, Jesus, you're being kind of offensive. People are getting offensive. But he answered and said, every plant which my heavenly father has not planted will be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind leads... The blind both will fall into a ditch. And Peter answered and said to him, Explain this parable to us. So Jesus said, Are you still without understanding? You don't get it? Do you not yet understand that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated? This isn't a question of, of, of the physical process that you go through. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and they defile a man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. Those who were defiled were preaching to others about defilement, and they didn't even know what they were talking about. Jesus says it's with the heart that these things come from. Evil thoughts. Before you say an evil word, typically you have an evil thought, right? If you're going to say something to somebody, or maybe you spout off, it's because it's coming from what's really in your heart. An evil thought about murders. You know, the word premeditated means that you determined beforehand that you were going to murder somebody. It means you thought about it. It means it's not just something that you said, but it's something that comes from your heart. Adulteries. 
Nobody wakes up in the morning and said, you know what, I think I'm going to have an affair today. I'm just feeling like something different, switching it up. That's not what happens. It's a process of giving yourself over to thoughts, thinking about certain people, looking at pornography. It's the state of your heart to where you find yourself placing yourself in a situation of compromise or, or inviting it into your life. It's a condition of the heart. Fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies, these things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. There's two other verses that I want to bring to your attention this morning about the heart. There's a lot of verses in the Bible that talk about the heart, but these two stand out to me. Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 9 through 10. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. This goes in direct contradiction to common practice. People saying to each other, just follow your heart, sweetie. No, the heart is wicked. The heart is going to lead you down a path of selfishness, self-righteousness and justification of sin. The heart is deceitful and wicked above all things. Who can know it? Do you know what the answer is to that question? Who can know it? God knows your heart. So don't hide it from him. Seek him through him knowing and, and repent of those things. I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind even to give. And what's being revealed is what we really believe. What we're saying isn't new. It's us being put in a pressure cooker and re reacting to what's going on around us and, and, and letting the world know what we're really going through. Letting each other know. Let our families know. Let our husbands know. Our wives know. Our kids. So it's not being more careful about what we say. It's addressing the issues and condition of the heart. So that it's in the right place to show what we really believe. And this, this speaks to the next verse that I have. Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 through 23 says, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Receive my teaching, receive my words, let it remain in your heart, meditate on it so that that's what comes out. And, and guard your heart, be careful, um, watch your heart, keep your heart with all diligence, because the fact is, out of it comes the issues of life. So in conclusion, I have four questions for you that I want to kind of just allow us to meditate on and have some application from the word today. Number one, how's your heart? That's a real question. If you're taking notes, you're at home, you're jotting some of these things down, I want you to answer the question in honesty, how is your heart? Don't be deceived. Don't let your heart deceive you. How are you really doing? I ask people, hey, how are you doing? They're like, yeah, I'm fine, I'm good. How are you doing? I'm like, no, no, I'm, I'm serious. No, how are you doing? Like, how are you? I'm not doing very good. How are you doing? What state is your heart in? Question number two, what do you think? Or what are you thinking? 
Because what, if you can't identify with your heart where you're really at when I ask that first question, the next question would be, well, what, what are you thinking about? Because what you're thinking about is going to also be directly coming from how you're really doing, which leads us to the third question, what do you speak or what are you saying? What are you speaking? Which if you still don't know where your heart's at and you can't identify with your thoughts where your heart's at, what you're saying is going to be an indicator of what's going on inside. And you can say, well, I've been saying these things and actually before I said it, I did think those things. I've been processing through these things and it's because it's connected to how I'm really doing, where my heart's at. And then the fourth question, what does all those reveal? This is, the, this is the baseline application to identify where your heart is. And there's another verse in Jeremiah I love that talks about the new covenant in Jesus Christ. It says that, that people aren't going to say to their neighbors in the new covenant, know the Lord or know God. For he says, for, for they shall all know me. He says, I'm going to remove their hearts of stone from them. I'm going to replace it with the heart of flesh. Don't allow yourselves to, to get hardened in this time. If you say you believe, if you have faith and you're exercising it, meditate on the condition and state of your heart so that that can be given to the world and those around you. So that that can be what's exemplified, so that that can be what's communicated. Does that make sense for everybody or just me? It's important for me too. Hey, we love you guys. We are here for you. If you need anything, reach out to us. Um, really looking forward to seeing more of you in person. It's been a blessing to, to see some people recently that, that we've really wanted to see. Keep praying that we'll be able to gather more in the future. Let's go ahead and pray and give this time to the Lord. Father, we thank you for your word to us this morning. We thank you that, that you speak. And that your word is true and that your word is prophetic and that your word isn't come to just slap us around and, and make us obey some commandments, but that your word has come to give us life. And that as we address the issues of our heart and we look at what we really believe and ask ourselves those questions and, and rejoice and thank you for the salvation of our hearts, the salvation of our souls because of our Savior, Jesus Christ, that we can have a different perspective than everybody else. We can live in that abundant life. We can live in that peace. We can receive your goodness. We love you and we pray these things and worship you in Jesus' precious name.